Oh, man, guys. Uh, did you hear that Joe Biden might be visiting uh, the state of Utah? Uh, Thanks, guys. Oh, big help. Uh, big help. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Thanks, guys. Is there, I mean, is there an answer to that question? Presumably, he visits states periodically. What do yeah. I care? <laughs> I mean, that's a weird uh, question, Brian. Why would, why would you be asking? Oh, my God. Fuck you guys. All right. <laughs> back to the mechanical freak <laughs> podcast where we try to do cold opens and just fucking fall right on our face um so anyways there, hey guys so my uncle was on facebook the other day and the craziest thing happened you won't believe it so joe biden apparently is going to visit utah that's a thing and uh you know there's about 13 critical votes that must be found out of the 20 residents of that state and uh, once you know it, one of the Facebook uncles on there uh, decided to, you know, just post his feelings. Right. And uh, one of which was perhaps Utah will become famous this week as the place a sniper kills Joe Biden, the Marxist. So and, basically, like, oh, this is this is the answer to the question. Like, why? I mean, presumably Joe Biden goes to various states. But you, you do got to ask, like. What's he doing going to Utah, right? Like, what's what's in Utah? <laughs> Nobody lives there. Uh, there's, you know, no one's going to vote for. It. He's not going to get the the uh, electoral college votes there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So, okay, honeypot for uh, cranks that you know might make threats against his life. That's 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 the only reason he went. Yeah, but like you know, even the FBI was like, look, but we all know that Facebook dads and Facebook uncles. They're all cap, right? Like they're they they talk a big game and they uh, they like to post a big meme game, but we know they're full of shit in the end. Larpers, so they, not about the action. Yeah, so they went and visit this guy and they're like, hey man, uh, what's with the posts? They apparently hang out with him for a little bit. They leave and he immediately posts to my friends in the Federal Bureau of Idiots. Damn, got him. Damn. Uh, (laughs) I know you're reading this and you have no idea how close your agents came to, quote, violent eradication. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) So, wow. So he was, he escaped. He, like, got out of this one. Yeah. Just another name on a list. Just Just a guy like, yes, we're aware of that man when he does something later. But yeah, just like, another Facebook dad. The FBI's checked off the list. I mean, they probably showed up and he showed them his like, you know, female body inspector shirt. And they all had like a little laugh. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. I'm in the FBI too. You know, <laughs> like uh, they all had a good time and they left. And then he posted that. So seeing that the FBI had to pay him another visit. And uh, this time uh, they just came back and murdered him. <laughs> just fucking shot him. <laughs> So apparently they had some sort of standoff and fucking shot the guy. <laughs> and I gotta say, on this one, it's a little on the guy. I mean, <laughs> At some point, it's on you. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. You do not have to hand it to the FBI ever, but I mean... <laughs> well, it's, well what, what do you say to that? It's guys like this that justify the existence of the police state in America, Right. <laughs> like, like yeah i mean what are they gonna do not go up go to this back to this guy's house with their guns drawn like i mean jesus <laughs> like the whole point of going there in the first place and giving them the pass is to just verify that you're not an insane like person bent on doing violence you were just blowing off some political steam in a stupid way then you're like, no, 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 really, really. I am a violent man and, and dangerous. I wanted to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, I, was, I was wanting to and willing to. And if you come back, like, the whole it will happen. They're, they're doing him, right? Because they can't, like, they can't, they can't arrest and prosecute all these people. Like, it's just the courts would be overwhelmed, right? And, you know, they've already got a program. When they want to put someone away for domestic terrorism, they find a mentally ill kid from a Muslim family. They have a whole system for that, okay? So these <laughs> guys, the old, for that. the old white, like, <laughs> Facebook uncle, 
like they have a program. You go and you just be like, listen, don't forget, you made a little mistake here. This wasn't talking with your buddies. This was public. And, you, you know, yes, Facebook feels like you can just say whatever you want sometimes. But actually, this is your official <laughs> G-men warning. The government men showed up on your doorstep to remind you that this is you can't do this. This is a crime and can lead, you know, like don't. And he just is like, uh, yeah, no, uh, I'm doubling down. Yeah. Well, I think this is very similar to the uh, the sort of uh, capital riot or whatever, you know, after the 2020 election uh, in the sense that like when it comes to sort of right wing goofs, right? The government is willing to grant extremely wide latitude. Oh, right? yeah. You know, that's like the spoiled child that's kind of allowed to do whatever. But when it comes time to finally introduce the fact that, no, there actually are limits to your action as well. Uh, that limit hits them hard and fast, usually right in the face. And yeah. they uh, are then taken aback by the fact that, uh, yeah, if I try and actually climb into where the senators are with a gun, they're just going to shoot me in the head. <laughs> like, you know, Or if I uh, threaten that I'm going to shoot the president and then threaten to kill the FBI agents who come to visit me, they're just going to kill me. <laughs> Like, you know, not it's the right wing loons not understanding their their role. It's like you're the cheering audience, but you don't get to come on stage. All right. Yeah. You're, you're perfectly fine cheering out there, but you cannot come up here. Right? And right. not understanding where the line is, too. You know, yeah. like this guy's like when he talked them off his porch, he's like, wow, uh, all that shit about admiralty law really paid off. You know, like all my. <laughs> Like, I really, I really talk. I, I, I guess I run this place. I can say whatever I want, you know, and like not understanding that, you know, he had just barely skirted out with his life in the first place. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, from farce to tragedy. Uh, so in other national news, uh, apparently Maui is on fire and uh, the town and you can watch a video of uh, the town of Lahaina just burning down right now because they have a mixture of wildfire and hurricane winds which is apparently not what you want uh there's a lot of people dead already uh the numbers are over 30 i think and uh i'm sure that's gonna go up too yeah and the fire you know it's spreading incredibly fast which is always like the worst for when you talk about you know human death or whatever because people can't evacuate in time but this is partially because Hawaii's, again, been in a drought, you know, as well for the past couple months, right? Which is what caused the fire, you know, gave the fuel to the fires, which were then fueled further by hurricane force winds. Um, just another beautiful insight into what all of our futures are on the on the burning planet. Yeah, I mean, if you look at a before and after picture, I mean, the pic the whole town just look of Lahaina looks completely leveled. It looks like the same like radars that you see when, you know, a bomb gets dropped, you know, on, on a city. I mean, it's truly just like unrecognizable in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, the climate crisis is, is now, you know, it, it always hits me when someone says that the climate crisis is basically, you know, observing and watching different things happen online until you're the person who's the one that's happening to online. You yeah, know? until you're like, running from it. You're, yeah. you're, you're running from the thing that's like going viral on Twitter. Uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's crazy because there was a lot of history with Lahaina too. And it was like, I think, where the Kingdom of Hawaii, uh, you know, the people who, you know, were part of the Kingdom of Hawaii would reside. So there's like rich history there that completely all burned down as well. Um, and it seems like it just happened in in an instant, right? It didn't mm-hmm. like take a super long time for all of this to burn down, which kind of shows how quickly things can unravel, even if things look completely normal, right? Even if things just feel a little hot, you know, it could really change in an instant to a destruction event. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the other side of this is... You know, a lot of regions are, as they have these disastrous climate events, are going to create these sort of refugee flows, right, which we're already seeing, but are only going to intensify over time. And it'll be a choice that every country is going to make about whether they're going to be accommodating to the refugee flows, ha ha ha, 
or uh, essentially form armed camps to prevent them, right? You know, from entering. And I think we all know where the United States is going to end up on that. But I mean, this is just going to be everywhere, you know, uh, not great. Doesn't make you feel good. Got to say. Yeah. And I mean, um, yeah, like no, this isn't going to be a story in two days, you know, and that's going to be the, the course of the next decades. Right. It's just like more and more of human civilization getting destroyed a little bit at a time, displacing people who effectively become, you know, unpersons overnight. Uh, you know, then agri- agriculture breaking down more and more due to drought. Like, just get used to more of this, man. Yeah, and I, I you know, in Tabunia's point, I, I think that it's, uh, you know, in this sense, sort of maybe symbolic or telling that the town that this happened to in Hawaii was a town of already displaced people within Hawaii itself, right? You know, and this is who are going to be the primary victims of all of this uh, climate change, right? And it'll be those that displace them that form the armed camps to, you know, victimize them for a second, third, fourth, millionth time, you know? Yeah, Um, and we're talking about Hawaii. I mean, a lot of the Earth, and Naomi Klein writes about this a lot, but, you know, a lot of the Earth, especially within the global south, will become uninhabitable from the pollution that happens, mainly concentrated in the global north, like America and Europe. And, you know, it begs the question, like, you know, if we're going to be dealing with migration crisis from climate change, you know, just from Hawaii alone, you know, I mean, imagine what all of like, you know, sub-Saharan Africa or South America, like when temperatures rise to the point where human cannot even, you know, exist there. Uh, that that is gonna is gonna signal major problems if we have the same if we if we're under the same economic system if we have the same uh, border and rule structure that we have now um, you know if how we treat immigration as basically a um, a privilege and something that's controlled instead of uh, something that you know we can uh, change for the better I guess being bringing more people into these countries. Um, it could just be a mass genocide event. And under this current system, that's what it would be if nothing changes, you know, and that's like one of the big eco-socialism uh, ideas is like the idea of borders in general and immigration in general will be completely already is ridiculous, but will be completely out of whack when, you know, half the world or the majority of the world cannot even live where they, where they live. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. Well, that mm-hmm. sucks. Uh, well, bringing it back to our region, uh, I got good Something news. Something equally as devastating, I, I suppose. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, from wildfires in Hawaii to another natural disaster. Guys, did you hear, and I had to be informed about this from our favorite reporter, but did you hear that the University of Washington Huskies are no longer going to be in the Pac-12 and are joining the Big Ten? Big news. Does does that make it the Big 11? I think it's like the Big 20 (laughs) at this point, Greg, because UCLA (laughs) and USC have left the Pac-12. There's like a mass exodus happening in the Pac-12 right now. I think there's Mm -hmm. like, you know, there might be only three people, three teams left in the Pac-12. Like the (laughs) Pac-12 is over. Like it's not happening anymore. And I was able to find this out because I saw in today's paper that our favorite reporter, David Horsey, as a illustration of a big burly football man wearing the uniform of the dollar signs, uh, punting a much smaller football man uh, wearing a Pac-12 uniform. And well, saying, the football man also, crucially, the big burly football man has modern gear on, and yeah. the um, the small one has like the leather uh, helmet with like <laughs> yeah, the yeah, striped like, like George Clooney movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he just says, and the big burly man is saying, "Tradition is for losers." And I was like, "Uh oh, something big has happened. I need to know." Can't, what can the horseman tell us? And uh, yeah, and I mean, honestly, I hate to say it, but Horsey's right, and that they're just chasing TV contracts. But where he's yeah, wrong, that's what this whole dispute is. 
Yeah, and where he's wrong, though, is that he says, you know, of course, because he <laughs> this is the only cartoonist in America that gets a full editorial to explain his idiot cartoons. <laughs> um, but <laughs> Which wrong, is incredible. He, I mean, you got to hand it to the brothers for that. that that's, that's pretty sick to just like awesome. have like an exposition for every cartoon. Well, like, yeah, I mean, just. He, we have got, listeners in other states. Does anybody else have this? Does anybody else have a fucking editorial for their cartoon? Undermines the entire like notion of an of an editorial cartoon. But like, it's got to be because of his Pulitzer Prizes that he like they can't deny him or something, right? Like they can't fire him. Like he he's he just gets he he wanted to be both. He's probably he's like you know like any journalist like really wants to be a novelist or something. At least back in the day, you know when that was cool. Um, a previous generation, like he probably always just really wanted to be a columnist, but you know, he mm-hmm. could, he could draw and not write or think and somehow like somehow got himself a Pulitzer. And, uh, now he's like, well, now I get to have my column too. And the times is like, well, no, but, <laughs> and he made it, but he's like, but yeah. And the deal they struck was like, well, fine. It's a package deal. Then you, you, you can, <laughs> you will put, we'll publish your, your, your screed, your like stream of consciousness nonsense under your bad cartoon because of the signature granted to you by, you know, somehow winning a Pulitzer prize. When you win a Pulitzer prize as a cartoonist, uh, you know, forgive me for not understanding the the rules of this. Is it for like a single cartoon oh, it's or be, yeah. is it for the body of his work? And then how do we not know what cartoon it was? I mean, I got it know. now. I, we have to have looked this up before. <laughs> no, there's, there's no way we don't know because come on. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty mean, rad to like get a Pulitzer for like one cartoon, you know? Yeah, like, for what, essentially what, scribbling. What cartoon <laughs> <laughs> was it that... <laughs> Pulitzer. Okay, I'm 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 sending you guys the Pulitzer.org page. It's uh 2003. It's when he was, I believe it was yeah, winning it's, work. It's, it's, oh my, oh my god, post intelligence. Oh my god, holy shit. Oh, and so there's like a so there's a sort of variety of cartoons. I guess there's like here. three different cartoons. Yeah, I guess. Oh, there's a lot. Yeah, there's so, a lot. No, actually, maybe did they submit like a a year of his. That's weird. Yeah. Oh man. Oh my god. Yes. Did you guys see the one that is big buff Uncle Sam walking out of a bar where he's roughed up a bunch of Muslims, and then there's sad Europe with a like dressed like a, a beaten down custodian with a mop, and it's Europe saying, "Oh, there you are." Or no, I'm sorry, it's Uncle Sam saying, "Oh, there you are." Just in time to clean up the mess at Bad Guys Bar. Bad Guys Bar. Bad wow. Guys Bar. <laughs> This guy deserved the Pulitzer. I mean, let's be serious. He, he was here at the right time in the right place where everyone was just jingoistic out of their fucking mind. And he just like he he just knew that this is the opportunity to snap. Look at all of this. What are we waiting for? Let's slam Saddam. Oh, jolly good. That's May what I he carry the for. ball okay. just once? May I? May <laughs> this I? This makes so much fucking sense. <laughs> this is what he won the Pulitzer Prize for was for a year of ginning up the Iraq war as a cartoonist in a liberal paper in a liberal city, like the cartoonist, the, the place reserved for the, you know, the most like, uh, uh, contrarian voices in, uh, in newspaper opinion. Right. Mm. Like, and he's the guy who just week after week, if you look at this leading up to the invasion, this is all, you know, stuff from, from 2002, just over and over, like in these simple fucking like lowbrow, like super simplistic ways, just like over and over every possible point of like, uh, this is why we need to invade Iraq. Incredible. Well, I mean, like all of this is drumming up the Iraq. Every single one of his winning work in 2002 is all about the Iraq war and also just... uh also, Israel too, like randomly. No, uh, no, Israel was also invade, you know, involved in one of their many invasions, of, you know, or military strikes. But like the, the, the Which cartoon is also, like the chess yes. piece thing, though. Yeah, he's ca- no, you got to see the next one that he's KP. Okay, okay. Which is, I'm sorry, this is. I know this is riveting content for listeners, but this is really amazing. So we've got Arafat and 
uh, and Sharon. And so Arafat's saying, I'll negotiate when the Israeli troops pull back. And Ariel Sharon's saying, I'll pull back uh, my troops when the terror bombing stop. And then the insane Palestinians <laughs> with bombs wrapped around them bomb. saying, I'll stop bombing when, when, who am I kidding? I'll never stop. Damn. So I guess the message here is uh, there's got to be a final solution, I guess, to yeah. this, this problem, you know? <sighs> Anyways, so the horseman... <laughs> Saddam plus bomb <laughs> equals boom. <laughs> Uncle Sam is teaching Europe global threats 101. Europe says, I hate math. I prefer surrealism. <laughs> so the horseman, he's always stayed winning. And uh, this is probably, this is his entry for the 2023 Pulitzer Prizes right here, uh, where he lets us know, look, uh, college sports it used to be about the love of tradition and rivalry, uh, but now it's just become all about TV contracts. Damn. <laughs> and in the one hand, it's like, you're right. It is all about TV contracts. That's why they go to the Big Ten. But uh, the one part you're wrong about is it was never about tradition or rivalry. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> like, a fantasy. That's like a, a thing just like dipshit conservatives believe. believe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like It was never about tradition. <laughs> it was always about exploitation and money. There's something else going on here, which is like he's saying like, we need to return to a time when <laughs> you could, when NF players left the, a career in football without a universal rate of traumatic brain injury. Because by wearing no padding at all in the rest of their body, you injure something else that takes you out of the game long before, like, uh, making yourself a functional vegetable in the brain. Right. You know? Like the body keeps the score in a way. And so <laughs> if you like snap your bone in half, you don't have the opportunity to get mm-hmm. CTE by multiple just hits on the head. Right? Yeah. You're only it's, playing your like a season saving or two. Yourself. Yeah. Yep. Right. Your bones could heal. You guys know, and, you know, they do to- say they do. I mean, there are people who say like it is because of the padding that, and even including in the helmets that, CTE is so prevalent because you can hit so hard and over and over and over again, including in the helmet, which like we're designed to like take like blunt trauma, you know, and prevent blunt trauma injuries. But it's the jostling injury of the, the, the heavy vibration of your brain slamming against the inside of your skull that's causing the traumatic brain injury. But and you can only do that because you're wearing this incredible helmet that allows you to slam your head into other heads. So, I mean, he's got a point. Well, it's been uh, yeah, this has been like a thing that uh, you'll hear on like sports radio a lot about like it's the face mask is something they always bring up is like we go back, get rid of the face mask or whatever. Now, I will note that when football first started and became a national sport at the college level, mainly uh, at the turn of the 20th century, that parents groups literally went to Teddy Roosevelt and was like too many people, uh, too many of our college sons are dying playing this game, <laughs> like literally just dying on the field. So the actual answer is football has never been safe and it's, it's <laughs> it, it, like just shouldn't exist actually. You know, like there's, there's no like, yeah, era. if we're being honest been, here, like it really yeah, shouldn't, uh, pretty, be pretty gross from the beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Return. Now, he does mention that this will forever ruin the storied Washington-Washington State uh, rivalry. And now, Munya, you know, you're both a resident. Well, I guess both of you are both residents and members yeah. of these colleges of the alumni. Yeah. But I will tell you as an outsider, the only thing anybody outside of this area knows about this rivalry was that one game in like 2008 where both of them had lost every game of the season up into the Apple Cup. And the whole game was about who's going to have one win on the record by the time this is done. And they had four overtimes, <laughs> not because they were fighting so hard for the win, because they were so incompetent as a sports organization. Couldn't on both of them. No yeah, they could couldn't score. score. Nobody could score. No like they, were just, they were just fighting each other to see who could finally do, make one, you know, do one competent thing on the field that day. Well, it was like seven well, hours of football to get to that one competent moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2008 out? was literally the worst year in Seattle sports, I think ever like Seattle <laughs> or Washington sports in general. So the Sonics got sold to a fucking oil tycoon in Jeez. Oklahoma city and they leave. 
Uh, like that's the first thing that happens. The Mariners just like fucking suck. You dub, which is supposed to be the team that's actually, you know, good, uh, goes like, you know, oh and eleven or you know and, Do you remember who won that game? Was it U Dub or um, Wazoo? I can't remember. I think U Dub might have won it, but I don't U Dub might have won it, but the thing is is like for some reason Wazoo was like U Dub was literally it was a shocker because U Dub's supposed to be the better uh football team and they were going like completely you know, only defeated basically. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, every game was like a meltdown where the coups, you know, they'd like miss a field goal, like for the win and stuff. They'd be doing like really dumb, like mental slips where like yeah. WSU, uh, or I mean, scrappy. You d- yeah, they were scrapping, but like you, you, you dub would literally, it would be like a travesty whenever you're watching them, you know? So <laughs> like, I actually don't know who won that game. Uh, it was so long ago, but I remember like that era, the Tyrone Williams era, um, that, that, that sucked. But then, like, yeah, the Seahawks, I think, went, this is, like, after, yeah, this is, like, a dark age after we went to the Super Bowls. We had, like, three years where we had Hasselbeck, but not Sean Alexander. Or, you know, mm-hmm. we had an old Sean Alexander and, like, you know, a new coach. And we were going, like, you know, 2-14 and 14 or something. Like, it was the worst year in Seattle Source ever that coincided with the Great Recession. And, you know, it just, it just felt fitting, you know, that everything just felt like it was collapsing in on itself. And just not a good time man like i i wouldn't be surprised if that game was called a draw just for how that year was going with seattle sports <laughs> oh breaking well, news big big w- dub for moon yeah <laughs> wsu won that game and uw went completely <laughs> winless that season wsu 16 uw 13 yeah which is a I, hilarious final score you know like because <laughs> if you're scoring touchdowns you don't like get 16 points for, for a game that was like seven hours long yeah you, you, you'd hope for a little more this, scoring this, like smells like it was only field goals just based on like <laughs> <laughs> well it's one of those things too of like i remember watching it and it was one of those games that like it was like not funny because it was so bad that it became funny because it was so bad. Then not funny. You went through like several cycles of that. The game was so long. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, this is kind of funny again. Like they're really blowing it. And then like, OK, I I'm, I'm, needs to stop. Right. But yeah, incredible. Uh, but anyways, that's ruined forever. And, you know, in memoriam, guys. So. Uh, so what? They won't away. play the the they won't have a rivalry anymore. They won't play the Apple Cup. Is WSU in the Big 12 now? I don't know what the I don't know what the shakeout is. Honestly, uh, you know, I'll I'll wait for all the TV contracts to clear <laughs> before yeah. I decide if I care about any of this. But uh, I don't. Yeah, I mean, to, they'll probably play each other. Decide. Yeah, they'll probably uh, play each other. Who gives a, Who gives a shit? Honestly, but uh, famously, we have a UW alum here and a WSU alum. Yeah. Um, so hey, you know uh, what? Uh, can send uh, for what it's worth, you, you know, like uh, the last game, Apple Cup game that was played at UW Stadium, uh, WSU kicked their ass, and I got to storm the field uh, at UW's home field, which uh, was awesome. So you Damn. know, if, if we go out on you, that Greg. note, I'm good. People can't see Greg is. Furious right now. There's like steam coming red. out of his ears. Seeing red. Here, memory of his this. His ears event. are ringing. <laughs> well, Moody, you went to WSU at the best possible time, which is when you had Coach Mike Leach, who I had yes, at Texas Tech yes, when I was at Texas Tech. Absolutely. One day king. we'll do an entire episode about Mike Leach. Oh my god, Absolute weirdo. Yeah. weirdo. I mean, king. I'm so glad I got to like witness his <laughs> Mike <excellence> Leach era <laughs> firsthand. Man, like what an era that was. Like what a treat. Yeah, rest in peace to Mike Leach, dude. Like, man, <laughs> legend. Uh, you'll never be forgotten. Well, from uh, downer news in Seattle to uh, a more positive story. Hey, guys, the city council gave Cinerama a million dollars so they can uh, get up and running again. Uh, real bummer when the Cinerama shut its doors in 2020. Yeah. Um, be happy to have it back again. I'd just like to uh, go on the record... Uh, saying, you know, as saying when that was announced that, um, don't worry about it. It'll come back. Everybody stop crying. It's gone away like <laughs> seven times in its life. Like no one's going to tear the fucking thing down. I even believe I said on the show, Sif will probably take it over. And here we are. So I'm just glad fine. that you're right, Greg, because honestly, I was seeing that building empty and I was like, God, if they put luxury condos on this yeah. shit, like I'm going <laughs> to scream like because I could see it happening. Right. It's oh, like yeah. real estate uh, at the end of the day, like like iconic stuff has been torn down for less. So, you know, I, I get why 
people were, you know, worried. But, you know, SIF acquiring it is just so such a positive development, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm it's this is like one of the few theaters. I mean, one of the best theaters in if not the best theater, I would say in Seattle, uh, we could screen Mm -hmm. 70 millimeters or popcorn's really good. Like it's like it's randomly just a really great premiere theater in America, period. You know, and so, yeah, um, I mean, they tore down most of the that's one of the reasons it's not it's not going to go away is because they've torn down globally. Most of the the biggest playhouses, most of the biggest most of the Cinerama theaters yeah. are gone. And it's one of the last uh, of three. It's one of the three remaining. And so I, I don't think it's going away. No, no. I mean, it's it's super positive. And I'm wondering what SIF's going to do with it, too, because, you know, I'm wondering if they're just going to do programming like they did before, if they're going to, like, show, uh, like, screen SIF's own programming there and, like, screen independent films and stuff there, too. Like, that could be, like, a cool development as well. So it's like, you know, we have the SIF Egyptian, we have the SIF Uptown, and now we have, what, the SIF Cinerama? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. which is, like, part of the film festival and everything. Like, there's a lot of cool opportunities there, I think. I don't know. It's a lot better than almost any other alternative I think we had with the situation. So, yeah. And, you know, hey, look, if the city's going to spend money on something, why don't we spend money on something that people actually enjoy and uh, doesn't actively kill the people who live here or displace <laughs> them? <laughs> right? You know, just just a nice movie theater. Where you can go and enjoy some popcorn and watch a movie. That's, well, that's fine. It's <laughs> perfectly aligns with the city. It's like one thing they can actually do to revitalize downtown that's that's another reason it's never going away is because it's it's downtown and you know it's more valuable to real estate interests in the chamber down there operating than even as a you know a luxury condo building for foreign investment so uh it's an easy (laughs) it's an easy win for the for the city to dump some money into it uh what it well, you know why it needs a million dollars i don't know just to rebrand as uh as sif i don't know but um put i mean sif no they're gonna put the um <laughs> they're gonna put they're gonna go the elon musk route and uh you know take down all of the twitter signage and put up a neon uh sif one that like flashes uh in people's <laughs> apartments <laughs> they're, they're gonna use that million dollars to put like big neon signs that say sif on top of the uh cinerama mm-hmm. And uh, Hell yeah, you I'm know, for it. Let's do it. Light it up like an MK Ultra project. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Well, from uh, City Council dubs to City L's, uh, Hannah Krieg had an article in The Stranger. The Seattle process strikes again. Facing a projected budget shortfall, the city wastes 10 months trying to woo big business on taxes. So the long of the short of it is that the uh, city last year created a blue ribbon commission to Love come those. up with exactly right to come up with some progressive taxes to fill some budget shortfalls, kind of aiming for the 2025 city budget. Right. And uh, they ended up coming up with a list of 10 taxes that they thought could work. Uh, the. City Council looked at that and said, uh, actually, only three of those are legal or anything we want to pursue. And so we're just going with those three. Now, <clears throat> from there, Anna Creek continues to what I think is the uh, most interesting element of this. So uh, quoting from the article, while the report may not be revolutionary, the real mission of the work group seemed to be to win over the Seattle Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce to avoid repeating history. In 2018, the chamber refused to participate in the task force and then launched a vicious campaign that killed the head uh, head tax the city council passed at the task force's recommendation. As 2018 task force member Lisa Doregard said, uh, without the chamber's buy-in, that that whole saga was a, quote, huge waste of time, and the city cannot afford to waste any more time. But the city may have wasted its time again, as this new group failed to make a tax lover out of Chamber CEO Rachel Smith. Instead of considering new taxes, and guys, you're not going to believe this, Smith attempted to flip the focus of the task force from revenue proposals to budget cuts. Can you believe it? (laughs) So a a dishonest broker. uh, (laughs) Out of the chamber. (laughs) Who could have imagined? Wow. So, yeah. uh, 
the purpose of a blue ribbon commission. Yeah, I think uh, accurately diagnosed there to to get <laughs> all the players, not to like arrive at some like, you know, get the experts in a room to arrive at some like perfect uh, thing, but to like, it's a political process to get people on board before you announce anything, but do it above mm -hmm. board in a way that conforms with uh, standards and laws of like, you know, you know, disclosure and su sunshine in government, you know, I guess when you're dealing with taxing uh, business, uh, they're just never going to be a a serious <laughs> broker in that, in that, like, come on, get real, like, get real. Well, Hannah adds a parenthetical here, which is very funny to me, which she says, some task force members said the new report only came together because Smith missed some meetings, allowing them to actually focus on the charge. Of the work group. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Well, I just love the tacit admission that, like, you can't do anything without the chamber's approval. They're just like, yeah, it'll be a waste of time if they're not on board, you know? Like, no matter if everyone else is, you know, we're just mm -hmm. not gonna... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we're just not going to like fight or do anything about it if we don't have the chamber's explicit approval, which shows who's like really in charge here, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty well, clearly. It's also like total like Democrat brain to to not like already know that. Right. Or like, I mean, yeah. whatever. The whole thing is an exercise like this debate, the need for like more progressive revenue on a municipal level in Seattle has had a whole new life in the in the last five years six years since the head tax era uh the the reality of this as a necessity and stuff like this is how you just kick the can along you know and kick it to the next council the next administration who can then be like well it's not my fault like now we can't do it for this reason like it's all you know it's all bullshit yeah yeah and so uh, basically, just to know that we're we're doing the process here. Cree uh, goes on. Uh, so still, Teresa Mosqueda told the stranger she will stay optimistic that the city will not face great opposition from the chamber this time around. LOL. What? Smith, well, like, what Smith, is that? How, Smith, on, why? What you possibly be basing that on? Why? But nothing. Smith, the head of the chamber, maintains the chamber's stance that the city needs to first work out budget inefficiencies and improve transparency before bringing in new blah, revenue. Blah, blah. She did not know where the city should make those cuts, but said that they should look for redundancies and blah, 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 blah. So right? what so was she suggesting we're not in the fucking meetings? What was she suggesting <laughs> in the fucking meetings if she doesn't know where those cuts should be? What that means, right, like, I mean, it's God, it's what a in. load of bullshit. It's phoned in. It's, like it's, every, like well, every, it's just kayfabe from all sides because you've got the chamber just say, literally apparently showing up to these meetings, literally not offering anything substantive and just like reading from the book, the Bible of like, well, you know, transparency and efficiency. And, you know, probably I bet if we just got into this budget, we could find some, you know, horseshit, just horseshit. The fucking fucking transparency. Oh, yeah. If we all just knew where the money was going. Oh, my God. Like, it's not fucking public information. Yeah. Uh, and then on the other side, you got, you know, the, wait, who was that? Was that what was that quote from? Was that Mosqueda? The oh, uh, yeah. Mosqueda saying that, like, yeah, we think that the they're not going to be as uh, Mosqueda who's not running for city council. Right. Yeah. Am I wrong about that? She's and she running for King County. Yeah, she's running for county council now, I think. So yeah. it's like, yeah, again, it's not going to be her fucking problem. And yeah. like, but like, again, you know, you get to, like, why would you say that? Like, the obvious reason is it's bullshit. It's the thing you say. It's the Democrat brain thinking of being positive about your initiatives being like, yes, gosh, we're we're really hopeful about this. Yes. No, we're going to make this. We're going to go. And then when it doesn't happen, you know, it wasn't because you were naysaying it, I guess. Uh this is very it's very well reported by mm -hmm. Krieg and the stranger here to lay out exactly the points you need to to just show exactly the hopeless like kayfabe of all this the the just rank lazy bullshit from all sides that mm -hmm. I mean why would I mean <clears throat> have some self respect you're running for a whole new office like as Mosqueda be like well you could come out and say well 
uh, the city did everything we could. The chamber sandbagged the process. And, you know, why if you're, you know, uh, your brain is rotted by, you know, whatever Democratic elected disease you have, you're thinking, well, I I can't like alienate these people. I can't make it worse. I can't like I can still maybe we could still get the, the now that we've gone through the process and they had their chance. Maybe we can still take the moral high ground and the the um, administrative high ground, the, the reasonable high ground and get this passed and do it anyway. And they'll have to be happy with it because, of course, they don't like it, but they've voiced their it'll be a water, whatever watered down versions made it through. And so. And there's some truth to that thinking. It's like, yeah, they're going to oppose it the whole way. But like any version that does get through it, they're going to oppose it on the other side, even if it is possible to pass it. But Mm -hmm. like it is all just bullshit. I mean, the proof will be in whether they pass any of that shit. Um, And if any of it's worth anything also. Uh, But like go back to the head tax. Like that was a nothing tax. It was like it was pennies, you know, it was pennies and they the chamber as re-reported there like went into like full like defcon 4 and caused the council and the mayor to just make themselves look like absolute idiots and assholes just reversing their earlier decision with pressure from business for a nothing tax and the lesson they were supposed to have learned that the Seattle times, you know, Ed board, you know, wanted them to learn. was like, well, the process was flawed. Shama was in there fucking strong arming some shit that like left out all the stakeholders. And like, so they reacted and it's like, I mean, and so this is now five years later, right? We're going through having learned the lesson of that. We're doing it right. Right now, if they pass again, some piddly ass tax, which we've already done uh, in this city, uh, the uh, whatever it's called. Again, another minor tax that they did manage to get through. But like, I guess then that'll be a win. But it'll, it's going to be really funny if they if they aren't able to because the chamber still doesn't want it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, and I think the thing is, is the, the key thing is the parenthetical, right? Where they're like, oh, nothing was even able to get done in this meeting, except for the days that the chamber, you know, present didn't bother to show up, in which case they were able to actually do their work. And the thing is like, yeah. And why have the that, meeting? That's the chamber's participation is they are going to uh, do everything to sync these meetings to make sure they don't work or whatever. And it's like the answer to that isn't to just wave your hands and say, like, yeah, but I'm sure once the council starts working on it, the chamber's going to change their mind. It's to say we have to cut the chamber out of all interaction, like all political interaction and find a way to minimize their political power as quickly as possible. Right. And, um, you know, for Muscada, I mean, she's she's out the door. Right. She's looking at this and going like, oh, the chamber's going to throw a big shit fit. This could be a big fight. Fuck it. Uh, I'm sure it's gonna be great. She's literally like in succession when they give the son in law the parks department yeah. and the guy who's <laughs> leaving. is just like, it's going to be fine because everything's OK. <laughs> like as he leaves. Right. <laughs> He's like, I can't send you this via email or on any Internet computer. But I printed out something for you to look at. But the main thing is it's going to be fine. <laughs> Because everything's okay. <laughs> like that's that's Muscada leaving. It's basically just like, uh, yeah, I'm out the door, guys. Fuck this, right? And I, I think it's just the impossibility of city politics within this framework. It just doesn't work. Uh, you know, the liberal framework it, it cannot govern in any way other than this, right? Yeah. Which is to just let the chamber call the shots. Yeah. Which again, which point, I, why don't we just make the chamber in charge? Make them be the city council, and then we can at least yell at them. Jesus. Yeah, right. Well, it's like, you know, the truth is, though, as I said, like, this might work. She might be right. This might they might actually pass through these taxes over the objection of the chamber. And that may be just how the process is meant to work in this time and that they're aware of that, that the chamber is going to is never going to let up and be like, yes, we are for this because that's not that's giving up too much of their position right like they always are going to oppose any tax of any kind and they need to maintain that credibility and maintain that leverage and their that ability to stay in the process and water down and make sure the tax is as small as possible 
But there may be a wink and a nod. Having gone through this process, like there may be some handshakes that are like, yeah, whatever. These three are the ones like we're, these whatever these three piddly things are, are the ones that like we will still complain about in the press and write editorials against. But like you can pass it because Harold has like had the conversation and like this is the one we're going to do, you know, maintaining that adversarial uh, process and just coming up with a new uh, equilibrium for for municipal taxation that is possible but in that but even if that's the case you're you are talking about um just an enormous just a minuscule political horizon that yeah. you are limited in this system to these microscopic uh changes that are obviously nowhere remotely uh sufficient to to meet the challenges that any city in America is, is, is having, you know, like, so that's where we're at at best, at best. <laughs> well, uh, to, you know, give a little credit to the chamber, uh, you know, Hannah did ask, uh, the, uh, chamber president, if they were going to put up a fight like they did in 2018, right you know, in regards to the head stacks, in which case, uh, Rachel Smith told the stranger, Hey, she didn't have a crystal ball. She didn't know. Huh. So, uh, you know, so the future is unclear. Maybe this time, I know that every single time that you've asked the chamber about, uh, taxation that they might have to pay, they've been against it, but maybe this time it'll be different. You know, you yeah, can't, I, I think you can't judge yeah. people based on what they've done in the past. That's the thing. <laughs> Because the future is going to be against the past, it. The past, right? They're going to be against it. They're going to be against <laughs> it publicly. The question is, what's the actual conversation with Harold behind closed doors that actually like it gets mm -hmm. through or not? You know, um, and you know that remains to be seen. Again, ultimately, I'm sure it's something small, and so who, it's like, who cares? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'll all be insufficient to the actual need, and that's the main point. <laughs> Well, which the, 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 I mean, as long as we're talking about it, the, the sufficient need would necessarily come from the feds. That's how, like, yeah, yeah. That, that's well, another reason this stuff is a joke. It's like you're trying to patch like massive sinkholes with like a few planks that the, of wood that the, uh, that any city in America can cobble together. But you're talking about like these are, so, so problems of like society and its infrastructure, its economy and infrastructure breaking down in ways that can only be, uh, if at all, combated by a an institution that <laughs> controls its own fucking currency, you know? Yeah. And I and I think the problem is, too, is the the democratic, you know, the the solution for the democratic problems and the fact that the chamber literally just runs our city and kind of everybody quietly acknowledges it. Uh, that solution is going to require a, a like French or Russian solution. <laughs> you know, like I'm sorry there, there, you just cannot have any quality. Like capitalism cannot create democracy. I'm sorry. These people are just going to be in charge. Like, yeah, it's you not know. the process. And we should just admit it. I think that's the actual next step America should do. Yeah. 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 And we should just admit that and we should just put, like we should call Jeff Bezos king of Seattle, right? And the chamber will be his legislature, right? And his ultimately court. anything that the chamber decides to do, yeah, he'll sign off on, right or not, right? Yeah. And then at yeah. least we can watch Jeff make Rachel Smith come like wipe his ass and stuff like that. We could watch all that. That would be fun for us at least. And we could make fun cartoons about it like the French used to do. Yeah, it could be like the like the peasants, like, you know, like hand-wringing the king basically, you know. Uh, but like he would still be our king, you know. Yeah. It, it would be like a lot more transparent with what's going on. Well, you'd yeah, have someone you with know, actual power to appeal to, you know, against yeah. the nobles, yeah. right? Like you could, yeah. when you're being true, treated badly by one of the like mid-level corporations in town at least you can go to jeff and say like look come on save us save us from the overreaches of the nobles and then he can have you in the crowd you've come with murdered 
but then like calm the situation down after by you know making some small adjustment in the the status quo of the social contract you know <laughs> yeah exactly because the thing is our position as peasants doesn't change whether we have that form of government or this one right the only difference is we're just dropping the kayfabe let's just own up to what it is and then uh we can maybe pursue some honest channels by yes asking jeff to maybe whip some uh ducats at us as he rides by in his carriage <laughs> you know <laughs> The and King's who, Jubilee. <laughs> I'll take it. Exactly, right? Yeah, right exactly. between the eyes. Hit me. <laughs> golden well, ball. I'll take a golden ball right between the eyes. <laughs> well, you know, look, Seattle, it's winning. It's going to keep winning. And guys, I'd like to tell you about two winners right now. And uh, that's our new patrons, Gideon and Connie. They're winners because they have access now to just hundreds of thousands of hours of uh, Patreon content. You know, everything from Mia Munya discussing the new song of the summer, which just came yeah. out. Right. Ooh, hot fire. To, yeah. Goofy movie reviews, maybe a future Oppenheimer review. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Did you guys know? you didn't play the actual song on the on the episode was that a mistake? no we did we sang didn't it we sang it perfectly we, we didn't sing need to it. Play it all right yeah. all right yeah you did yeah everybody's heard it because it's on the radio everywhere okay. and so uh, now they've right. heard yeah. Munya's version of it yeah exactly. okay <laughs> <laughs> Greg you're really not doing a good job selling this okay <laughs> <laughs> but for a mere five dollars a month you could be cool like Gideon <laughs> and Connie and uh check out this cool content as well as join our discord and uh talk with the other freaks on the discord there seems to always to be a lot going on there. I still Discord baffles me, but uh, you know, join it, see if you can figure it out. Have a good time. Hell yeah! Uh, see you there. Yeah, we're hanging out. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll call it a night at that. Even though we're secretly meeting in the morning, a rarity. Ooh, very nice. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night.